0: So it was like walking through an actual exhibition, but instead of looking at traditional art, you were looking at NFT art, which makes me appreciate traditional art a little bit more, to be honest. But there were some really, really beautiful, interesting pieces as well.
1: Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. We are back after, I think exactly a month now. Uh, last episode was April 11th, if I'm not mistaken. And we announced we we're going to take a short break, but we're back now. Shanluk is back from his travels. We'll talk about that in a bit, but yeah, Shanluk, welcome back. How was the weather?
0: No, 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 no. The weather was great. I think I had the best weather, the best weather that I can imagine during this time of the the year in the Netherlands. So I can't complain about anything. It was really a family vacation. I got to spend some quality time with my family. So I should be back energized. But oh man, there's a little bit too much to talk about. So I guess we should dive right into it. Actually, I want to talk about something that we were just discussing. Because you've decided not to broadcast this show to Twitch anymore. So talk a little bit about separating, separating for different target audiences, because I think that's, will be an interesting topic to touch on.
1: Yeah. So I've been thinking about it. You know, we have my YouTube page, uh, that's standard. We've had a discussion before on whether we should put it on. You know, just my name, the the original page, or should we rebrand it to Social Convos page? We got our Facebook pages. And I think it's, you know, it, it, it came to a point like commit to the decision on the personal brand, on the personality. Since we're also publishing on your LinkedIn and uh, Facebook, my Facebook profile, I also decided to add my Twitter profile this time. Because that is, we are known as the host of social convo. So that kind of carries more recognition, more personality. And I think it would reach more specified individuals. Whereas my Twitch is more for gaming content. And there's kind of a a disconnect there when every Tuesday we suddenly stream for an hour talking about topics on entrepreneurship, NFTs, maybe that would fit in the Twitch demographics a bit but on marketing, different kind of topics. And it, it it just felt kind of weird the last few times I did it on Twitch. So that's why I kind of separated. Or we would have to create a separate Twitch account for this specifically, but as it's my gamer tag, my gamer handle, I decided, you know, that's for gaming content. So let that be a separate thing and live out its separate life there.
0: So. It's really interesting that you mentioned that because I've separated my channels as well. And I think for YouTube, it works quite well for LinkedIn. It works quite well. I've completely separated YouTube and LinkedIn from each other. LinkedIn is far more for business purposes. YouTube is far more for entertainment purposes. But here's where it gets tricky. Facebook is where it gets really tricky. I I can't figure out between the profile and the page. And if I'm looking now, for instance, there are much more people watching this on the page, then on the profile. But then again, when I'm preparing for the book and I want people to connect and I'm at conferences internationally, people tend to connect with my profile. So it puts me in a dilemma whether I want to basically make one of the two in Dutch and one of the two in English.
1: That's yeah. That, that's me. why I specifically yeah. asked you, are we going to add the profile? Cause we've had this discussion back and forth,
0: like, yeah. So I, I, I cannot figure it out. I won't be figuring it out. I will be doing posting until people will be like, listen, I'll go to your profile for this, or listen, I'll go to your page for this. But then again, the issue still remains with Facebook being kind of this like very large, very entity. <laughs> that is like, okay, I have to figure out what the approach should be. And I do want to, like for my profile, go into Dutch, even though I have a lot of international connections there, but I do feel like this is an issue. That's only an issue when you don't use your profiles enough, because aside from lives, I haven't posted on Facebook for quite some time. Let, let, let's talk about that a second.
1: Cause yeah, we made an announcement post actually, and I'm not sure if you shared it on your channels. I actually forgot to share it on mine, but just looking back, yeah, my Facebook has been a barren wasteland as in posts. It, it's only the lives. If if you're viewing it as a public, you'll only see the recent lives. We've have, we have migrated or used, focused our attention to different types of social media platforms the last few months and conscious decision. We've kind of breaking away from the traditional, you know, usages as it was established. And this brings us kind of in this wedge, right? If we're not active on those social platforms and only use it for this live thing, does it make sense? From one side, yes, it's an archive, yes, but from an engagement perspective, from an audience perspective, does it still make sense? Because well, to th- th- Twitter makes more sense now. Of- that that's the other reason I added Twitter as well, because I am a lot on Twitter now. So that would make sense if I start sharing this type of content as well as Twitter, getting new followers, etc. Other types of engagement, people get to know who you are as well.
0: Well, there are a couple of things. First of all, we don't acknowledge the Twitter and the LinkedIn audience unless they comment. So that makes it difficult as. As well, like it's easier to go like a niche specific channel. If you, if you were really into this for growth and community building, we would just stick to one channel. You would do it on YouTube. I would do it on LinkedIn. We would be focusing on that specific audience. We would cater the content towards that audience. We would be posting about it much more than we're doing because that's also one of the things we just don't announce. The show properly enough. We do it for as a live mainly because it 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 makes it easier in the edit phase because it's already there. The content's already there, so we and, record and It's and more
1: of a logistical issue, uh, problem that
0: we're solving. More a logistical thing, and I think we're right now in the documenting phase over the really creating phase, which is of course something that we're going to change because I do have a direction that I want to go to the next six months. And I think that will be provide kind of more like, yeah, it, it will provide, like we call it in Dutch, like more of a structure that we can work towards. And I think what would be interesting if, is if we really would commit to actually promoting the content and taking the nuggets out, sharing the nuggets with white people and really using the social, I mean, for us, it's still fun. It, it hasn't reached the point yet where this is like, Hey, we, yeah, it doesn't become re- a chore. It's not a chore. And I think when it becomes a chore, that's when we back down. And I think a lot of people, uh, suffer with that when they, when they do the show. And that's why shows kind of stop. Like we could have stopped. Like after these three weeks, we could have stopped. You could have said like, we we don't do this anymore. We won't, we won't be doing this, but there's a reason behind why we continue. And I think that's good for, for the audience and the people listening in to know as well, what the direction is that you want to go with, with the social conference and the direction that I want to go to. So I'm not sure if you're ready to talk a little bit about that as well, but I think this is a good episode to kind of clear a little bit where the win-win for us still is and why we still commit to actually taking our time in, on Tuesday to to, to host the show. Uh, sure. So not much has changed since the
1: beginning, at least from my end, as in it's a way to, you know, improve production skills, improve personal skills on conversing, interviewing, networking, et cetera. So that's still there. It's not, it's necessary. It's more for, you know, personal growth on the other hand. So looking at the next six months, definitely looking forward to, you know, connecting with more new people, especially through various networks that we've uh, established over the last few uh, months. Drag was a highlight from a few weeks ago that kind of, yeah, we've had a highlight, we we deserve this break. Let's take a breather, reevaluate, how are we going to approach it further? But I think that the challenge I see from a content perspective, from, as you said, we're in the documenting phase from a creation perspective is actually unpacking all that we've documented so far. There's a wealth of knowledge. There's a wealth of nuggets and it's hours, hours, hours of content and going through that can be a chore. doesn't have to be, it can be a chore and having a right strategy on how to distribute that. And that's something we, I think we still need to define. Do we want to distribute it? What's the intention behind distributing it? through certain channels. So I think that's something from my end that we need to look at with more clarity and go from that, but the the foundation is still there, you know, show up every week, regardless of what happens, that's the commitment we made. And yeah, that's why we're still here. Uh, most shows would sort have of stopped as she said.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. It's very, it's kind of a you know, very interesting of psychological thing to look at as we're not focusing on growing the show at the moment. And that's, it's, it's wide-boggling actually. Like people would be like, yeah, but why are you doing this? Do you want to just document? Is that really what you want to do? By the way, I saw Jennifer's uh, like here as well. We, we have to talk to Jennifer about, about Minnesota and give her an update. I feel because we haven't done that either. So I think, I think the biggest issue is that for some reason, we don't, we don't broadcast the show enough. We don't credit the show enough. And I feel that that's something I do want to change in the next six months. It isn't like I want to put it on a pedestal and say like, Hey, social conference should be this or social conference could be that. But in the end, we do want to have a long-term sustainable community that lives around the social conference space. We do want to build that community. We do want to connect like-minded people, people who have already been on the show as, as speakers, at least connect the speakers, which is also something that we have, done very limited. So I feel like for me, the next six months, there is an external motivation to do much more with social confos that we've done before. And it's of course the book that I'm writing. So for me, this show will be a way to get information in that will be included in uh, the book that will be coming out by the end of the year. So I think that's a great way for me to segue in and kind of pressure myself into making it more of a priority to commit more than just recording and documenting.
1: Yeah, yeah, stacking um, commitments to each other. And coming back to James Clear, you know, stacking habits. So what one is accounting for the other.
0: other. Separately, it just doesn't work. Separately, it it just doesn't. And on the other side, I do also have decided that I'm going to focus on one habit a month. So where I would usually focus on saying like, I have a list of four habits that I'm going to do simultaneously every day. I'm actually still doing that in the sense that all those four things are important. But I'm filtering one out for a specific one and saying like, this is the first one that I want to focus on Uh, and I want to evolve. What's the one for me? The one for me is going to bed before 12. So, okay. You got to wrap this up. Well, no, but also just after the show, not going on a research rabbit hole or a blockchain gaming rabbit hole or anything that would take me two more hours before I actually go to bed. So these are kind of things that I really have to start doing. And I know that sleep is going to be so important for the rest to fit together. And then the biggest challenge that I face is the amount of incoming traffic. And that's also interestingly why I've been very silent on social media because I know that I'm already being overwhelmed by things that others want me to do opposed to the things that I want to do myself. Okay. So
1: question for you.
0: Three week vacation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: There's also a much needed vacation for you. I I can definitely see that. And so you are used to be, depending on how you want to look at it, are a pretty prominent personality in the social media space. Right. Used to be. Used to be. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that still carries over that trip, that position still carries over. You're running this company, social media, you're trying to delegate more of that stuff, trying to get more in the background as well. Has it helped at all? Cause you said there's, there's still more traffic coming at you from internally, but also more internationally now. Cause you're, you're doing stuff more internationally. You got this book coming. You've been to a few conferences. You've had meetup in the Netherlands, in the States. What's the priority now if you had to weigh personal versus personality?
0: I wish I could give you a clear answer to that. I've been trying to write for my book for the past two days, and I've not been able to even touch upon that because I'm either too tired or there are too many things in front of me that I have to do first. At the moment, as we speak, there are at least three things that I want to be doing right now, and I kind of feel guilty that I'm not doing them. And that has to that has to stop. So quickly building a structure for myself that I can get rid of that feeling that me broadcasting the show to people that will be seeing the show and wondering like how far along is he with this project, which is connected to them. And I think for me, that's, that's one of the things that I try to delegate better. And I try to structure things in front because here's the funny thing. If I use the structure that I've set up in our company, everything goes accordingly. But as soon as I deviate away, from that structure that I've set up, it becomes an issue. So whenever Mm -hmm. people send me a WhatsApp message, this is a really interesting one. Whenever people send me a WhatsApp message to discuss a certain topic, a certain project, a certain proposal, I have to immediately tell them to send me an email. If they don't send me an email, Mm there will be no follow-up if they Talk to me with, on me, if they give me a call, if you WhatsApp me and say like, Hey, let's do this. And it's not, there's no email. It's already, it's lost. It's lost in the barrage of WhatsApp messages that come in over the day. And it doesn't get picked up anymore.
1: Is that structure because you're still a key component within that structure
0: that cannot be bypassed? Let's call it that. Yeah, of course. Okay. So one of the things that people underestimate when you build structures and delegate, and also give empower others to do their part and their, their USP and their, their strengths to to utilize their strengths. You can only kind of delegate and move away. When you have set up the structure yourself, like a lot of people, for instance, and this was, I think we're already talking, I think seven or eight years ago, when I first had my first personal assistant, it wouldn't work because I hadn't made a structure that to make it work. So if you want to delegate something or you want to ha- have somebody else help you out with a project, if you don't provide the necessary information, that person will not be able to do his, the, the job. If you don't provide a proper structure that's clear for the person what to do in what situations, it won't work either. And I've tried that also with content creation and you're basically becoming your worst client. I mm-hmm. think a client that wants a lot of things kind of has everything in their head, but it, it, the project just doesn't flow because there is like a big congestion of information and it doesn't come through. And if it comes through, it's too much at once. It's actually
1: structure. worse than your worst client, because you know everything
0: this exactly. client wants. Exactly. So, so that I think is the most, the most difficult thing. And I think for people that really want to do a lot and are kind of similar to I am, it really helps if you have people around you who are structured, who kind of value you as well, because that's important. Like if, if you work with people that are structured, but they're not able to value your creativity or to value your strategic thinking or value something that you have that they feel less about and feel they're less comfortable with. It's too much out of their comfort zone and they don't recognize your strength. It's, that relationship's going to be broken as well. And if you don't value their structure, it's also kind of a broken relationship. So when you, if you're like saying like, I'm a creative, my strength is being a creative. I want to have nothing to do with finance or setting up invoices or anything that is kind of like real routine tasks, which are hard for you to do. If you don't, if you don't allow others to do that in their strengths in a way that they can do it best, it's, it's also not going to work. So you have to find the chemistry between the two and once you have the chemistry, and I mean, you can train yourself, you can train your left or your right brain to be more, to 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 have more an equal balance. But you can also say like, hey, my strength is this, and your strength is that. Let, yeah. Let's combine the two. So let,
1: let's get uh, tactical. Uh, one last thing on on this, so since we're talking about the show, and then we will pivot on to do some more fun updates. How okay, you. You have a vision on the next six months on especially the micro
0: content on going through No, actually our guest. I have more a vision on our guest than actually the micro content. I haven't figured out how I'm gonna do the micro content yet. I have it in my head, but actually the, the structure is that, not there yet. The, the structure is there. Just the operations of that structure is is not, not in place. Okay,
1: so we, we'll talk in, more about this. So but, what about the guests?
0: What guests? Okay, so here's what's, what's going on. I'm currently writing a book on how to create an online a career. And for that, I need a lot of case studies. Now, unfortunately, not all the case studies that I want to do, I will be able to be in touch with the people that I want to write about. But I will at least reach out to everybody that I want to include in the book. I will reach out to them. I'm also not going to guarantee that if somebody is going to be in the book, that they're actually going to be a guest on this podcast. Because again, that's not the intention. It's not like, hey, I'm using this book to get people to become a guest on the podcast. No, it's actually, I'm writing a book. I need the information anyway. And I'll leave it up to the people that I'm contacting, whether or not they want to do a short interview of 15 uh, minutes or or a lengthy interview like social confos, or even that I just send them the rough draft of what I've written about them and they can decide for themselves Mm. if it's something that they want to include. And these people include people that have already been a guest on social confos over the past one and a half year. It includes people that are quite close to me that we haven't introduced yet to the show And also people that are a little bit far off and might never appear on social confos as a guest. And for me, the next six months is reaching out to all those people, having the information ready, writing about what the concept is that I want to write about and why I'm including them as kind of case studies in, uh, in my book. And I also have to know that only one of the three chapters of the book will be about those case studies. The others will be completely different as well. But at least that provides kind of a guideline towards the guests and should at least next week have a list of 20 to 30 guests lined up that we want to interview for the, for the show. Okay. That sounds, that sounds good.
1: It's like the whole year covered the rest of the year. Well, assume. Yeah, it's
0: a very, it's a very ambitious goal. That's
1: no, but sure. that that's good. That's good. So the, but- the more we have.
0: It puts a more external kind of like external motivation on me as well to say like, Hey, I have to do mm-hmm. these interviews. I have to write about these people anyway. So why not make the most out of it? Yeah. Take advantage of this situation.
1: All right. So let's pivot a bit. You went on vacation mostly, but you sent me a photo. You are attending an event in the middle of your vacation. Can you tell us about. What that event was, uh, I think you connected with Bo. We we had him on a few weeks ago from the Dutch all,
0: First of all, Bo is the most, most awesome person. Like if if you thought he was cool online, you should meet him in real life because he was the most awesome person. And he actually made me stay. He he can tell the story one day himself, but he actually made me stay at least half an hour longer. I think an hour longer than I, I planned to stay there. He actually threw me on stage there, kind of said like, you can't leave. You have to go on stage first to do a small pitch. And actually people reached out to me. So there are some guests for the show that I have been actually waiting to to get some more information about social confos, which I didn't do because I was on vacation. But now that we have officially started, it's time to reach out to them as well. And I think one of the interesting things is that it was a blockchain event. It was part of the Amsterdam blockchain week. And it was interesting to see how meta this space still is. And will continue to be for I think the last at least more five more years. So that was a very interesting experience. There was something which was really cool. The warehouse well, house. Was it Regarding House? Or, uh, was no, it just, no. Uh, no, it was like this warehouse where they completely restyled it to a creative space. It's like a, a dream, a dream out of like my student years as an urban developer.
1: I think I saw the 3d model of the space. They shared it in a discord group. Cause when you send the yeah. photos up, the walls look familiar. I saw the 3d model space in like the browser and you could walk around and it looked really cool.
0: Okay. Let, let's, let's go a little bit more deep on this. I studied, I studied urban European urban cultures, which a large part is urban development and planning from a cultural perspective. And one of the things that uh, we did in our master's research was look at old textile mills, like these big textile mills, which are really big buildings that don't serve a purpose anymore because we have passed on through industrialization and are doing different kinds of things now. And so these are some big empty spaces that you either knock them down or you have to do something with them. And. This, where this location where we were was kind of like this big warehouse. It used to be a warehouse. You could still still clearly see how everything was in to be a, a warehouse. And they kind of built it into a quasi museum kind of open space. And I was like, part of the, I had some students, student memories come back to me from when I was studying uh, urban development, but then in the and uh, on the at the bottom level, they had an NFT gallery. They had the exhibition, so there were actually NFTs museum NFT pieces, of, physical and digital. Physical pieces, but digitally engraved. So like uh, a digital portrayal of those pieces were hanging on the walls. So it was like walking through an actual exhibition, but a, instead of looking at traditional art, you are looking at NFT art, which makes me appreciate traditional art a little bit more, to be honest. But there were some really, really beautiful, interesting pieces as well. So I think it's, it, it, it's we're not even close to where we need to go with this at the moment. Where but we it, think we want to be. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think a lot of NFTs are show pieces that you're just going to hang in your house. and. So when you have high funk, 5,212 and you go to a space where has, where they have high funk one, I think that's definitely something that will in the future be of interest, but it what? will take a long way, a long time before we get there. Was that your high funk number? Five. Yeah, the high funk. The yeah, the hive funk that was in in display wasn't like a really low serial or anything like that, but there was a world of women. There was a hive funk. I think there were two or three other kind of flagship NFTs that were being exhibitioned as well.
1: Yeah, I, I, if you're in the discord at all, it's been popping off for the, the amount of people joining the project that's happening behind the scene it just goes to show that Many people are just trying new things in 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 gaming in, uh, fashion. What struck me is like, uh, fashion. It, it's it's really picking up as well. I think because it's a form of another form of expression, and this brings me. Since you mentioned Meta, it is like a Meta feeling there. Talking about Meta, the company. I think it was today or yesterday. Tom bill you actually interviewed Mark Zuckerberg, and. They were talking about uh, the spaces and actually, I think it was during that interview that he announced that, you know, it's coming to Instagram first and soon to Facebook itself as in previewing your NFTs. And then a few hours later or a day later, Polygon tweeted that they partnered with Meta as well as one of the chains that they're going to be using. So thoughts on those developments.
0: Oh, wow. The Polygon story, I didn't know yet. The Matic. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, Facebook connecting with Matic is going to be a a big, big powerhouse. And this is really, and we're getting back to this story, which is also going to be a small segment that I have to talk about a little bit more. The the fight between the Crypto Maxis and the NFT Maxis is going to be a, Extremely, extremely big one, because Facebook or beta is going. Twitter to is divided, Centralized, there. yeah, it's going to be completely centralized. It's going to be a completely centralized NFT space. So that's something that we have to take into consideration. On one hand, it's 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 not that bad in the sin and in, in the sense that. If you have a central organization as big as, as Meta taking care, you don't, you will most likely, if you take good care, you, you're you less vulnerable to hacks. Whereas if it's completely independent and decentralized, not necessarily that you're more vulnerable to hacks, but if you get hacked or if something happens, well, really, you really lose everything. The, the other
1: thing is actually, why can't they coexist, these two ecosystems?
0: Oh, they like, will. They will yeah. coexist. They will coexist. But a question, the question that you have to ask yourself, and this is a question that's already happening in the world is, would you, are you okay with paying the bank to have your money at the bank? So like in previous generations, if you would put money on the bank, you would get like a percentage in in return, like you would actually get money from the bank for having your money deposited in the bank. And the percentage kept getting smaller, kept getting smaller And your, your yield. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the yield kept getting smaller and then people were like, I'm going to go in stocks because the yield for stocks is much higher than just putting it on a deposit at the bank. And then it was like, oh, we're going to go into crypto because the yield of crypto is much better than stocks. And then you go, to the, yay, we're going to. So it kind of gradually evolves, but still, essentially it started with the banks. And what we saw was that the percentage kept slipping, slipping, slipping until it reached a point where you now have to pay in certain countries. Yeah, Germany was already
1: like that for a few years. I think Germany, Switzerland was negative 0.25%. You actually pay. And kind of that's why I think some Swiss banks, German banks were popular for, for wealthy people too. It was more like a security option, as in protect yeah. my wealth, I'll pay you instead of I need yeah. to generate m-
0: more money. And then you get to the same point with your data. Like, are your more. Are you somebody who wants to, wants to own your own data? Or are you somebody that says like, you know what, let's put my data with Google, because if something happens, I can also easily retrieve it. And there's a customer service desk that can help me out with it. So this discussion between like the decentralized blockchain space that says like, Hey, we want to remove the power from the, the, the elite and kind of have more distributed, more evenly shared society person saying like, hey listen, everything's fun in games, but I don't mind being things being centralized. I don't mind I don't know if I told you yeah, I told you the top shot story that I've spent a year collecting NF and NBA top shot NFTs and they're now as a as a result as, as kind of a gift back to Yeah to yeah. Yeah. So for, for for of course you know the story, but for to complete the story for those those that are watching or listening, NBA Top Shot is the official NFT product from partner for the NBA for National Basketball Association. And you can just like the old playing cards, you can invest and you can buy packs of digital playing cards. And these playing cards are basically videos. And then you have those story like, okay, but I can download the video, and then I have the video as well, and then I can claim that I own it. But yes, this is where utility comes in. So for instance, for me being a collector for over a year, I got a year-long subscription to NDA League Pass for free. And NDA League Pass runs around close to $200 a year. So basically, I got a year subscription for $200 for free because I'm a loyal uh, collector. So these kind of utility things are things that or you can do it from a decentralized space as well. Yeah.
1: It's, it's like a loyalty, a kickback card application, but yeah, it's, it's more, I'd say verifiable with data. I'm not sure how the back end and top shot is, but coming back to that part on data ownership of the data, I think for people listening, if, if, if this is a question you haven't thought about or are thinking about how the the world is developing as such, I think the option we have now is choice. We have the the choice to either opt into one or the other, and you need to be self-conscious about that. And I would argue, I think a, a good person in the space to listen to, check out some of his work podcast is uh, Robert Breedlove. He talks a lot about, you know, a sovereignty, property, freedom, and he recently interviewed during Bitcoin week in Miami, Robert Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson is a very renowned uh, psychologist, writer, uh, you name it. And this is one of the things they were talking about on, you know, that choice of freedom or can society live truly decentralized or do you need that centralization? And I think it comes down to, you need to be able to decide that for yourself. And if someone is enforcing that
0: on you, in other words. It never works at course, force yeah. from either side. So I think that, that's the interesting part as well. And that brings us to a situation where people who are in power, what kind of power, whether it's political power or corporate power, and they want to move things certain ways, which used to, which still works, but not as much. So, and then you get the new kind of generation that approaches work completely different than the generations before them. So there are a lot of interesting talking points. And for me, it's interesting to see how technology helps develop those situations. Because if you would have told me 20 years ago when I started studying that I would be doing what I'm doing now, in a sense, I would be, yes, that makes total sense. But I wouldn't be able to envision it. I wouldn't be able to envision the way we work now on years. And
1: yet a few weeks ago, you were walking in this warehouse and you got that student nostalgia again. Of,
0: <laughs> Yeah. So, and, and I think that's also one of the, the more difficult, difficult things is, and that's one of the biggest worries from a societal perspective is that people will get lost in kind of the second life kind of feeling like they're completely disconnected and we are already disconnected. From a generational perspective, we already quite disconnected bit with previous generations, but then you also get a, a physical disconnection. So I think that's that's really the difficult, the more difficult situation. Some shout outs from Anil and from Sherry, also thank you for joining in as well. And yeah, it's been quite a long time, but after a month, we are back because uh, I'm back from pre vacation. But Diego, you have some big things coming up as as well. Based on what you heard about my six month kind of goals, how does that fit into your plans for the next
1: I'd say it still works out. So I guess, uh, is next week. Unfortunately, we are not going anymore. So if Jennifer is still here, we'll have to do a rain check on that. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll,
0: we'll reach out, we'll reach out to her.
1: Yeah. But that's still an option. The, The guys from the Netherlands are going. So that's cool having to see that update. The app actually launched today. So it's really cool to see that integration of ticketing. So I I just downloaded it. I'm going through it just from a look through it from a technological logistical point of view on how they're doing that. Other than that, so the rest of this week, I got some wildlife programming orientation week that starts next month. Yeah. One month from now. So. If all goes well, I'll be able to travel for that for, I think, five weeks. And according to the planning, it's not set in stone yet. I will be on the west coast. So we'll have a four or five hour difference, which should still work out with our regular timing. So that shouldn't be an issue, but I can confirm all of that once the, you know, official things are set in stone. So don't worry, Social compost will still be here. Aside from that, it's just, you know, exploring the space. I don't, I don't have much plan in particular for the last quarter of the year. I'm just, you know, uh, going with what happens So what I'm seeing happening, there's going to be conference again in October. I, I assume social media conference and another project I'm working on, Silicon.up with Rajiv, so that's also happening. Yeah,
0: saw, I saw the post on, uh, on LinkedIn bit. yeah.
1: So that's also happening in the background and yeah, it's it, it's now that the next six months for me, as it was actually for the past six months, it's really learning more. Especially now that everyone's panicking, markets are, are, are red, everyone's fleeing. It's actually the time to learn skills. I'm actually quite. Getting more active in, uh, Discord as well, especially the impact theory discords. They're having like every week, like keynote sessions from the community Unreal engine sessions, on, on building stuff. So I I've been engaging with those. So it's a good time to learn new skills. I'd say, especially skills that could translate in the development of this space. You never know. So that's one other way to network. Yeah. That, That's it. I think last week, was it last week, Roanne, just shout out to Roanne from Barbados also starting her podcast. So she invited uh, me and a few others around the world to, to be guests on our podcast. So It was the first time I was officially a guest on another show. So that was quite exciting and maybe do a bit more of that, getting some more, getting on the other side of the mic or the screen. So to speak, what else so do I have?
0: I, can... I have a question about that. How, how what did it? you experience that? Is it more difficult or does it go a lot easier because you're used to being the one asking the questions? So it, 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 it depends on topic.
1: From my ob- observations, if you speaking up Rowan, hi Rowan, just give you a shout out about our session, I think was last week, giving Sean look the, the updates. And oh Rajiv also tuning in while jogging. Awesome.
0: While jogging. That's that's pretty that's pretty cool though. At And this time for joining in uh, as well, Yeah, I think he enjoys the quiet jog. We we should I I, I wanted to ask him to share the route, but he shouldn't share live. <laughs> and also it's a little bit far away for us to to do the to do the same route. Uh yeah, coming that, back to it was a pleasure to have you uh, you also gave me uh, my first opportunity. So talk about a little bit about how that experience was.
1: Yeah. So being on the other side, I'd say that there's two things I've learned, observed, could like take away is one, if you have an amazing host, they can just get the conversation going, right? It doesn't matter what kind of topic. Okay. In this particular settings, we had a, a wider panel, so it wasn't just one guest. There are multiple people. So from that perspective, It's also good to listen very actively to what everyone's saying to, you know, contribute to the grander narrative, but also be very articulate in in what you're saying, don't have to necessarily agree with everything, but just sharing your thoughts, I would say it's easier from a perspective. If you're a, I would call it expert, but if you're well-read into the topic, You can just talk about it, share your perspectives and depending on the curiosity of the host or just the general audience asking questions, you can feel in deeper as a host, you have to do the opposite. You you need to go look, okay, what is, you know, do you need to look for clarity? Is the audience, what would the audience uh, find interesting? Oh, this person said, what did they say that for a specific reason? Uh, sometimes you just say something, but you can't really express it yet. And then the host has to, you know, kind of dig deeper to, oh, okay. He wants to say something, pick up on that, follow up on that to help navigate. So being conscious of that from the other end is helpful because you're more conscious on yourself, on what you're saying, but it, it was a lot of fun. I had a wonderful panel with uh, a bunch of other individuals from the Caribbean. Got to uh, know what they're up to and hope to see you again soon again, Ruan, be it on your podcast, on our, our podcast, it is time for maybe a recurring guest, so if you're listening, we can see how we fit that in because you also diverted a bit uh, with with your own business.
0: Interesting. I feel we have still have some light, some time left to do a couple of overrated underrated. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I, I got a few that, uh, we could go through. Yeah. You want to
0: start first or should I start first?
1: Got fun ones here, especially with what happened today or the last few days. Oh,
0: wow. Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: Stable coins, overrated. Around
0: buy overrated <laughs> oh my God. I wanted to start with that one as well. But You, but, you but, only I mean, do this. To, you, you, you tell me, go have, first. <laughs> yeah. But no, okay. But, I mean, I, I wasn't, I I was hoping you would go with another one first. But then right when you said, this is something that recently happened. Okay, so for people that are tuning in that are not so familiar with stable coins, stable coins are kind of like packed coins that stay around one US dollar.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be representative of one US dollar. Yeah,
0: and it, it's kind of often connected to either an exchange or an or an altcoin or a cryptocurrency, and then people can trade it in for that currency. And then they sh- they're sure that whether or not the cryptocurrency multiplies by five or goes down to 100%. It's the same one. The, the
1: parallel to the, the traditional finance would is, be Yeah. So by,
0: yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's properly rated. I think it's, we need stable coins. I think it's good to have stable coins. But I also feel like people are overdoing it. We, we don't need, if they're 19,000, if they're 19,000, the people might disagree with me on this, win, but if they're like 19,000 different cryptocurrencies, we don't need 19,000 stable coins. We just need like 10 stable coins would be enough, I feel like. And I already see people bridging, like some networks are bridging their stable coins, which is, I think, really the best way to go, if you ask me what.
1: If, if, no, uh, from the top of your head, if you had to look at this, the popular stable coins are the ones familiar to you, which one? I mean Hive
0: back dollar? <laughs> I mean, I mean, for people, people have to understand Hive Bank dollar has an average uh, per year yield of 20%. And here's the great thing about a decentralized platform like Hive. People were just talking about it and then people were like, okay, we can do it. Basically we own the platform. So what's keeping us from giving a 20% yield? And they just gave, it. I mean, I folded on the thing, like together with with the Hive community, like people got to vote on it. And I voted like, yeah, I mean, like, okay, we, we could go to 12%, maybe 12% is reasonable. Like, okay. And it's kind of boxed into a kind of structured way of thinking, saying like, Listen, in the time where the banks kind of aren't giving you any yield anymore, when, uh, when you, when you stake your, your money, can we really ask for 20%, nah, 12% would be cool. And then it became 20%. I was like, that's, that's pretty cool. That's, that's really cool because 20% a year is more than 1% a month. It's so it's like, it's, it's great. I think it's. it's yeah. The big question so will if,
1: be, if you, will it sustain and you know, what would need to happen, but Anyways, let that slide it out there.
0: Yeah, because otherwise we talk about other topics too, yeah. too much. And, um, oil and gas prices, overrated, underrated. I haven't
1: looked at the recent, did it go up again? Yes,
0: it went up again. I would, hmm. I would still say. It's
1: underrated and with underrated, I would mean underestimated. The impact in the of prices. Sorry?
0: The impact of oil prices.
1: Yeah. So I'm not sure how well you are read into the world economy and that, but from my understanding, at least oil is the, the world economy is running on oil at the, at the moment and. You have a big, you have a lot of big players and with what's going on with re- Russia, Ukraine, and was it the OPEC, Russia's part of the OPEC. I think the, 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 group there, the impact that has on the world economy is kind of huge in the sense that all prices are packed, we were talking about being packed to uh, another asset are packed to the US dollars. So oil prices, all oil prices in the world are, you know, traded in US dollars. So you have this kind of ripple effect that happens. And if you don't understand that impact, especially now with the inflation rising from the US dollar and sanctions coming uh, to Russia, these other superpowers are kind of going to detach from that. And this is gonna bring friction in to the world economy, and I don't know how that plays out. So you can't necessarily complain like all all prices are gonna uh, go up because we are heavily subsidized here locally on all prices. Yeah, yeah. People underestimate that.
0: I think I think people don't realize that in other countries you pay twice the month for gallon or per liter, but then you pay in now. Yeah, but, um, but but also also offer if those prices, commercial prices would be, uh, yeah, we wouldn't be able to survive. I mean, the salaries, salaries. No,
1: very, very much agreed, A lot more. We're very much agreed, but that this is like artificial market, I, I won't call it manipulation per se, but trying to suppress the market to a certain degree artificially. So that, that, that pressure in the cooking pot is growing and. If there's outside forces playing a role in that, and the, the aftermath that happens to a country like us, who, who knows what could happen. So that's why I say oil prices are kind of underrated in people need to understand what's going on and yeah, diversify. I don't know what capabilities an individual has or what power to diversify more, but. I'd say it's underrated. Next one for me, let's see. I wrote this down. Talked about habits already. You said you appreciate it museums more when you visited that warehouse. So I'm going to ask now traditional artist and with traditional, I mean, like physical, creating physical art. Is it overrated or underrated that they stay into physical art or should they blend it into digital?
0: Physical art is really underrated. I think it's really, really underrated because even if you go digital, people want the physical art piece, which is an interesting discussion because my mom this week who is a artist was like, no, they don't understand. I don't want to make NFTs off my existing work. I want to make digital art and I want to sell them as NFTs. And I was like, wow, you're well over 60 and you're very much aware of where this space is going, which is really interesting. Interesting. That, that,
1: that, more. like, well, what was that conversation? I, I tried to imagine it. Well, okay. So how, how, how did that conversation go?
0: So, so. First of all, she's like, okay, this is so she had she has attended a couple of sessions on, on NFTs and NFTs are NFT art now. And she actually mentioned a couple of things that were of her interest, but she felt weren't mentioned during a social media conference. That. I, I don't recall exactly, but it, it, it the subject matter interested enough for her to distinguish between the different speakers and also mm. feel like, Hey, this is the information that I've used for, and this is the one not. and I see my mom just really, just really doing this herself. She's also building her own website, which is also very interesting for somebody over 60, to build their own website. But I, th- I feel that's just, that's the way my parents are. So I think when I'm that age, I'm going to be exactly the same as well. I'd say that's inspiring. Yeah, I, I will. Be, I will be like. I want to figure out VR and augmented reality when I when I'm at that age that I can actually create that as well. But but that was the interesting part. So I but I feel like if, if I look and then you have to be careful because in some senses art is overrated as well because it's it's pure perception. Like it's it's a perception on what a piece of art is work where I feel like. It's a lot better with traditional art than with NFTs and with with digital art, because I look at some of these NFT projects, many of which have gone to zero or close to zero in the past couple of months. I feel like like we're really not yet where we have to be, but there is so much, so much potential in, in, in this space. But if you would ask me what I would hang on my... I mean, I'm thinking of uh, of owning an infinite object, like having an uh, NBA top shot or an NFL all day a moment, kind of in like a, a digital portrayal where it runs constantly. I'm considering that, but I would still rather have like a, a traditional painting or artwork hanging on in that space. I think it's it's cool the the. The NFT display will be cool in my office, but like in my regular role, most likely it will be something more personal instead of personal interest. I hope that kind of answers yeah. the question.
1: Very interesting. Okay. Last one for you
0: before we close. Okay. So yeah. So uh, the question that I have, uh, job security, is job security overrated or underrated?
1: Okay, uh, can you unpack job security as being employed having, or having,
0: having, having a full-time job? How important is it to have a full-time job? Be overrated or under? So being employed? Yeah, being employed. Because of our personality,
1: mine per se, I would say overrated. But for the general consensus, properly read it. Why do you feel
0: it has to be different for the general consensus than it has to be for you? I think it has
1: to do with a few things that people need to consider before either not having a job or trying a new career path or trying to, to do something different is how, where we're talking about security, how comfortable are you with security, with risk, with safety, as in, can you survive six months, one year to not, to risk not having that security. So to call it in a economic downturn, like now with all the crisis, I'd say job security, having a, a good paying job that, you know, you're, you're sure you'll have for the next six months is, is a must for most people. Unless you're really sure we can weather, you can survive the storm. I'd say the, the the priority is to be able to survive. If you can survive in good times and in bad times, regardless of uh, your job, then it doesn't matter. So that's why I say for some, and in, in my position, I'd say it's still a bit overrated because in these downturns. It's an opportunity, it's, it's a chance to try different things. So entrepreneurship is one learning stuff. is one learning a skill that you'll see if, uh, people are struggling. It's your chance to learn something, given you have that runway to invest that time and energy into learning a new skill that you could say, Hey, I could provide this skill be an expert in. 3D modeling or something once the economy gets rolling again and the demand's there and you can provide. So from that standpoint, I, I'd i say it's, did I say overrated? Yeah, overrated.
0: Okay, interesting. I think we have come to a close of, I want to say the first episode of season two, but I know you know not that.
1: The first episode of season two, but episode 65 has been come to an official close. We will be back next week with social posts, regular programming time. So see you then. As always, recordings will be uploaded in the weekend on the website in case you missed it or want to share with your friends. Thank you guys for
0: tuning in again and have an amazing week. See you next week.